Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast, where you have VIP access to discover the wins and wisdom that have helped successful business brains build businesses that boom. With your host, Faye Hollands from busybusinesswomen.biz. Hi, Faye Hollands here and welcome to episode 17 of the Busy Business Women podcast. And man, do I have a treat for you today. I am very excited to have the formidable SEO and copywriting guru, Kate Toon, with me today. And I have absolutely no doubt that this episode is going to be not just enlightening and valuable to you as a business owner, but also very entertaining. So let's get stuck in. Now, If you don't know who Kate Toon is already, you must have been living under a rock. So let me enlighten you on what she's been up to over the last couple of decades. Kate's an award-winning SEO copywriter and SEO consultant with almost two decades of experience in all things advertising, digital and writing. A fellow POM, just like me, she's originally from the UK but now based just outside of Sydney and she's worked with some really big brands including eHarmony, Curash and one of my personal favourites, Kmart. She's also helped countless small business owners just like you and I produce great content and improve their copywriting and SEO. Now, she's the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse, as well as co-host on the Hot Copy podcast. And if that wasn't already enough, she also presents the Write for Business show for Dale Beaumont's Bryn.ai app and recently launched the Copywriting Conference, Australia's first dedicated copywriting conference. Now that is a long list of achievements, right? But that's not the reason I've got Kate on today's podcast. So let me explain why I was really keen to have her on this episode. Now I've been following Kate like a loving stalker for a few years now and I've absolutely loved how refreshingly honest and open she is about her life as a successful business owner. Um, She shares not just the highs, but lots of the lows that we all go through as small business owners, which most people don't talk about. So that is music to my ears. You know, that's the ethos behind Busy Business Women is to get rid of the smoke and mirrors and really to talk about what small businesses is like. She's also stood the test of time with nearly two decades of experience under her belt. And during that time, she's built up an incredibly strong brand, not to mention become an author and launched her first ever copywriting conference. And it's her first copywriting conference, but it's also the first copywriting conference of its kind, which is really significant. Now, Busy Business Women, we're all about keeping the world of small business real and raw, and we also love go-getters here, right? So when Kate offered to come on the show, I jumped at the opportunity. I have no doubt you are going to love this episode, so let's get stuck in. Wowza, Kate, that was a massive intro. Welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I must admit, hearing my own intro, I really dislike myself. I sound like a real overachieving idiot. Um, And it actually sounds really exhausting when you hear it all listed out like that. But obviously, it's all been built up over time. But yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. I feel like we are kindred spirits and we're going to have a good chat today. Oh, no, I'm really looking forward to it. You know what? I'm just going to fully confess. We've just had something <laughs> again. I, I can't talk to you and not tell our listeners this. We just did this amazing intro. We've just had all this banter and I've looked at the podcast and gone, shit, I'm not recording. <laughs> you know what? If I'm going to do that with anyone, I actually feel comfortable doing it with you. Your time is precious, but that was a cock up that if, you know, I can do that with you and you understand. So thank you for being so good. It, it just makes me like you more because you are a Muppet just like I am and 
and I do appreciate other Muppets. And Muppet is such an English beautiful word to bring into this conversation. Such a Muppet. Yeah, Muppet. Um, okay, so on that note, uh, I love the fact that Kate has written a book about misfit entrepreneurs, which I feel like I'm fitting into exceptionally well today. Um, so it was a no-brainer to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. So without further ado, before we get to lunchtime, we've not even covered off one question. Let's get going. Now, one of the things I absolutely love about you, Kate, is that you are very real, you're raw, you're honest in the way you communicate and market yourself across all your social media channels and the marketing that I see every day. And that's something that's super close to my heart because I feel like there are a lot of smoke and mirrors in small business and people come into small business kind of clueless as to what's going to go on for them in that journey to be successful. That kind of vulnerability to not just share when things are going great, but also to highlight those wounds and, you know, be really honest when you're down and you're struggling is something that I think a lot of people shy away from because they feel that it's going to negatively impact their brand. And they also find it tough to do. We feel like we shouldn't be doing that, right? We've got to be positive all the time. So I'd love to know how that real, honest, open approach has actually helped you build your business as opposed to being a hindrance. Well, I think, you know, I did the whole pretending everything was okay and I was glorious and and fabulously capable and professional. I did that thing for a long time and I found it really exhausting because, frankly, I'm not. Um, And I find it really difficult when I am having a hard day to write peppy, silly, oh, look at me, I'm wonderful posts, or be posting pictures on Instagram where I'm like laughing with my hands in the air about how great my business is. Just feel super insincere. So I think a couple of things shifted for me. It was one, that I found that exhausting. Two, that you get to the point, I mean, I'm 10 years into running my own business. Everything's going to be okay. Like, I know that. So even when I do post the I've had a poo day posts, it's with a slight kind of, but I know I'm okay. It's not like, oh my God, I'm thinking of giving up. This is terrible. It's kind of with a wry smile and an eye roll and an acknowledgement that tomorrow... I'll be riding high again. It's a roller coaster. So I think, you know, I'm not posting soul-bearing, devastating updates. I'm like, I just spilled coffee on my boob and I'm about to do a Skype interview with someone. You know, it's, I'm not, if, to be honest, if it was really dark stuff, Facebook would not be where I'm sharing it. So I think that vulnerability just makes people warm to you. I mean, we've only been talking for five minutes. I feel like I've known you my whole life. We've both made mistakes already. And I lo- we like each other more because of it. Because if you'd come on and been all like very serious and professional, I'd have been like, oh, what's her problem? She doesn't seem very real. So I think it brings people in. People like you more. They trust you more. And while it's not artifice and it's not some kind of strategy, obviously we buy things from people who we like and people who we trust. Uh, so it's really worked that way. And I think ultimately it hasn't affected my authority. So I think this is why people don't do it because they think if I show that I'm a bit of a muppet and I make mistakes and whatever, then why are people going to take me seriously when I'm giving them hardcore SEO or business advice? And the point is, is that the two things are not synonymous. They can be totally separate. I can be a genius at what I do, but I'm also allowed to spill coffee on my boob because that's reality. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the point. I'm giggling like a schoolgirl because you said boob, but I completely agree because, and you know, that's something that I really strive to do because I feel like when I'm in social media land, what I see is a lot of kind of, I call it the Gucci, the sparkles, the glitter, and small business often isn't like that. But but me sharing my cock-ups and the things that didn't go well or talking about the things that went badly eight years ago doesn't affect me in, in my 
capability to help my clients brilliantly. And something that I would always say about you is whilst you're entertaining and you say stuff like spilt coffee on my boob and everyone has a laugh, you are the epitome of professionalism. So you have managed to do both of those things beautifully and uh, congratulations on that because it isn't always easy. So thank you. Okay, now, um, you just said you've been, in, you've been in doing what you do as an expert for nearly two decades now. Don't look old enough, by the way. And 10 years, you say, in business, um, which beats all of those depressing small business stats, right, which I'm really glad to say. I'm fed up with reading those. Um, I'm a decade into business myself. I know that those years haven't always been easy for me. So when you reflect back, what have been some of the toughest moments in your career as a business owner? And how did you overcome them and just keep on keeping on? I think there's been different types of moments. So, you know, there've been the financial issues where, you know, you don't do your tax properly and you realise that you owe loads of money or when money's not coming in. I think that's, you know, that's one of the big kickers that really people struggle with. Getting that steady flow of money uh, was hard and that was a real challenge. For me, the biggest issues have been not necessarily failures and flops with the things that I've launched. They've always gone relatively well or I've kept going with them until they are going well. It's been other humans. So, you know, copycats, uh, people just being nasty, trolls, business relationships not working out, that human element. You know, part of the reason why I wanted to work for myself is I didn't want to have a boss and I didn't want to deal with office politics. But the truth is you can never escape that. You're always going to have to be dealing with different humans with different attitudes and approaches. You're always going to have to employ diplomacy and emotional intelligence. And that has been a struggle for me to kind of get through all those issues and not be affected by the negative stuff. But equally, not be overly affected by the positive stuff. So no matter whether things, no matter whether everyone loves you or everyone hates you, that you are still yourself, true and solid. You don't get swayed by the good and blowed by the bad. That's what I've, that's what's been the hardest for me. And that's what I'm continue to work on. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And it's great. I mean, I can see obviously our listeners aren't, but as you're sort of moving your hand around, I think of it as being on the roller coaster of being mm. a business owner, right? And those, that, the emotional highs and lows and, you can find yourself one day being on a massive high, you've got a new client, it's the best client you've ever had, and suddenly some shitty human the next day says something and it's all all crashing down and you've forgotten how good that day was and you're into that pit and that low. And I've been there, you know, and it it can take time to be able to try to level yourself out. Yeah. brings me on to something that I really wanted to talk to you about. Now, you recently very honestly posted a video where you explained how someone, I'll use that nice phrase, someone had unsubscribed from your list and instead of just going quietly on their merry way, they marked you as spam. Now, I'm I'm shortcutting this story, right? But basically, there was no spam. I mean, as you very articulately showed, um, they had subscribed to your stuff. They'd um, consumed it, loved it, clicked on it, opened it. And then when they decided to go, instead of just going and not causing a fuss, they marked your spam. Now, what happened was your website was taken down. Now, when I read that, I posted on there, you know, my heart went out to you. I've been in that situation myself. I think it's a real emotional roller coaster of events that were very unwarranted. And that's the key thing here. So, what I'd love to know is how do you deal, and you also mentioned trolls as well, how do you deal with the toll that that those kind of things can take on you in small business and just keep moving forward instead of going, shit, I'll just go and work for someone else because this would be easier. 
Yes, I mean, that was an interesting issue. It sounds quite dramatic that one email could bring down a site. Um, The truth was there were a couple of others that were something called hard bounces, and it was enough of a trickle that the the host, you know, did something about it. And, you know, to be honest, the host's reaction was very extreme and they shouldn't have done that. And I did actually approach the individual who, who did it because the boxes between unsubscribe and this is unsolicited mail, please report as spam. They're quite far away from each other. So what, I don't think it was an accidental click. And unfortunately, the person never contacted me. And it is vaguely awkward because I looked on LinkedIn we are first contacts and they know 70 people I know. So I just don't get that. And I think the thing is what I've realized, what I did for a long time was try to understand these people's motivation. Why would someone go out of their way to do that? Why would someone write the nasty comment? Why would someone send you that email and blah, blah? Why do people do these things? Because I wouldn't do these things. And you waste so much time trying to get to the bottom of that pit because there usually isn't an answer. Like this lady who did the email thing, maybe she was just having a bad day. Maybe she's jealous of what I've done. Maybe she hates me. But even getting to the answer isn't going to change anything, isn't going to change her behavior, shouldn't change my behavior. Like I shouldn't change my behavior because someone doesn't, you know. So the thing I've, the way that I get through it is sometimes I vent. That was one of the first times I've ever vented. And obviously I didn't name names because that's just never works out well for the person either way. But you just have to let it slide. You just have to go, look, out of a hundred people, 99 of them will be pretty awesome. And one will be a dick. I hope I can say dick. I said boob. So, you know, well, it's all downhill from here. So, you know, you can't let that 1% get you down because, you know, within, within a couple of hours of it happening, I turned it into a, a, a story. It helps people. People were asking questions about how they back up their site and I was explaining and that was really helpful and it turned into a positive experience. There was a big outpouring of positivity, which was great. And then, you know, two hours later, something nice happened. And it's like, you know, it, it just... I don't know. I think it's not that you develop a hard shell, but you develop like a Teflon coating where these things just slide off you. I'm still vulnerable and emotional and sensitive, but you know, people are, some people are just idiots and you can't give them the time that it takes to work out why they're idiots. Just let them be idiots and you keep on being you. I love that. I've just taken so much from that. Firstly, Teflon coating is fantabulous because you know, I'm a sensitive soul. I think you posted at some point, you know, that you, you know, you're an emotional person and you roll with that. And I'm the same. And I've just written down here where you said, you know, don't try and work out the why. It's a complete waste of time. And I've definitely wasted oodles of time trying to psychoanalyze why somebody would do something that I would never do myself. And you're right. Sometimes you're just not going to know, move on because there are those people out there and uh, let this be a lesson to all of us because there's no point in wasting moments of our life on people that we can't change what they did. Um, we just need to keep doing the good stuff that we're doing. So go the Teflon coating. I'm loving that. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about bloopers. And this is not all negative stuff, right? But we like to getting rid of the smoking mirrors. We'll get onto some more positive things in a moment. But I want to talk about bloopers, big bloopers. I know there have been lots that I have made in the last decade that you know, I am on a mission to help my clients not make. I want to fast track their success, whereas mine has been slower. What's one or two of the biggest mistakes you feel you've made in business that if you had your time again, it may be that you'd still go down that path because you learned great lessons, but you wouldn't want to necessarily endure the consequences or the challenges that you had at that time. 
It's funny because nothing immediately comes to mind. And I think that's because, as you said, everything, everything has turned out okay in the end. <clears throat> everything, oh, sorry, I'm choking to death. Everything has, uh, has been fine, ultimately. You know, I think I've made some stupid remarks. I think I've posted some posts that I shouldn't have. Um, you know, we talked about the vulnerability. I think maybe, you know, when someone's done something negative and I post a abstract passive aggressive post about it and they know it's them and I know that they know that it's them and they know that I know that it's them <laughs> it's like what am I trying to achieve why did I post that take it down it's minor stuff but you know I, I, I've launched workshops that no one's bought but is that really a big blooper no I you know I've launched courses and put hours into them and they haven't sold that much but is that a blooper I don't think it really is I, I don't know what, what are your big bloopers tell me one of your big bloopers well, my, you're absolutely right. I love that you've just shared that you've launched things that haven't worked. You know, I felt in that space. I'm like, God, you know, would I do that again? And I agree with you. You don't. You, you would do it again because you learned something from it. I think the biggest loop for me wasn't niching early enough in uh, my first business. So that was a big costly mistake. And I, any of my clients will tell you I rant about that obsessively. So that was one of mine. But I also agree with you that there have been so many lessons in the last decade that I hadn't have gone through that. I'd still be making mistakes here, there, and everywhere, and we learn from those anyway. So good. No massive bloopers. All right. <laughs> now you've got a lot going on, right? Um, and for everybody listening, there are going to be multiple links to all of the great stuff that Kate does on the podcast show notes, which I'll talk about shortly. So you can check out all of the places that she hangs out and her goodness in a moment. But she's got a lot going on. So there are many balls that you juggle in your business. Um, I am a self-proclaimed productivity ninja. Um, so I want to really learn from you. How do you manage your time so that you can keep all of those balls in the air? Or maybe sometimes they're not in the air. No, they're, they're very often on the floor. Um, I am a, a big to-do list fan. I was writing a to-do list as you were um, recording the intro that we lost. Um, it's a manual to-do list. I like that. I do that. I have, I use Asana. So I used to use Basecamp. But I use Asana and I, I use that. I have an app on my phone and I dump stuff in there and then I reorder it and renumber it. But I am somebody who likes a physical to-do list to cross things off. Um, I use the Pomodoro method sometimes if I really want to smash through stuff. So, you know, working for 25 minutes, five minute break, pumping up the tunes. I never answer my phone ever. Uh, so I let everything go to voicemail and I sometimes call back, but often I don't because I prefer to be contacted via email. I'm, I'm lazy. I don't like having conversations. So that, you know, I don't get my concentration broken. Yeah. Um, more recently, I have got a small team. I, this is literally in the last sort of year where I've got a VA now for three hours a day. Um, so I know that she is beavering away and that just gives me a good feeling. And yeah. uh, she does a lot of the sort of, I can't log into this and I can't log into that, which allows me to focus more on creation and project work and whatever. I also don't have any clients, so I no longer exchange my time for money. Everything that I do is I make a thing, I put it on sale, and it sells over time. Maybe not a lot at the beginning, but that trickle of revenue every day is all passive, and I'm doing air fingers for the listeners. Yeah. So, you know, I don't... People are like, how do you still do copywriting? I don't. How do you still help people with their SEO? I don't do ongoing SEO. So... Yeah, I guess it's, it, it's discipline. And that's a, the big thing I notice with the people who I coach is I am at my desk at nine and I work my bum off until three and I bring a packed lunch to the office and I hold in my wee for as long as I can. I'm just joking. But I do. I've got a bladder of steel, people. Um, 
But seriously, I work hard. There's no denying it. I'm not sitting here eating crisps watching Netflix. And that's not to say that you are. But I squeeze the juice out of every bit of the day. And I work even when I am totally unmotivated. I find something brainless to do. So I use my uptime to do creative stuff and Facebook lives and podcasts. And then when I'm feeling a bit flatter, I'll do some admin or some zero reconciliation or reorder my to-do list. Or Do you know what I mean? I'm always... I'm not always hustling because I hate that expression, but I'm always chipping away. You know what I mean? Completely. And I agree with you because I'm the same. I don't, I, I'm a hard taskmaster. I work the hours that I've got. I work hard. Um, and I do the same as you. I do the uptime stuff when it's fun and I've got the energy to do it and the admin when I don't feel like doing anything. And that's why you get through the low motivation uh, points. Tell me, you mentioned about your VA and you've only got a VA recently, but you've been in business a decade. Is that something that you wish that you'd done sooner? How much of a benefit are you finding that to you, you and your business now? Well, I just think it's all about finding the right person. So I have had a VA on and off for about three years. I had an amazing VA called Chantal, um, but she um, got a full-time job. And that really, it was my mistake, but I'd invested an awful lot in her both intellectually emotionally she was my right hand woman so when she left I was like I can't do this again do you know what I mean like it's like a relationship I don't want another relationship so it took a long time to find a new VA I tried a few different people it just didn't click it's really important that you have that click and now I have an amazing woman called Leanne Woff who is she's a bit bossy and I love it so she actually project manages me back a little bit and questions my decisions a little bit which I love She's not just a doer. She challenges me. She's very bright. And it's more of a partnership. Um, and yet, do I wish I'd done it earlier? Well, when I was a full-time copywriter, I just don't really know. I don't know what I would have given them. I don't know. And I didn't have the money. I mean, you need, do need to get to a certain... Everyone's like, oh, do it from day one because it'll make sense. But it's stupid. You need to have a bit of income coming in before you can hire anybody and have that responsibility because it's fine to not pay yourself sometimes, although I don't advocate that, but you always have to pay your suppliers and you have to pay them first. So you can't just get someone because it sounds like a great idea. You have to have some relatively secure cash flow coming in. And it took a while to get to that, you know? So do I regret getting one earlier? No. Uh, is it amazing? And am I very glad I've got one now? Yes. But is it an investment? Yeah, it's taken, I think Leanne's been with me nearly a year. It took at least three months for us to kind of get working as we want. And really at least six months for it to be really easy. And really like now, now I'm seeing the benefit, but we're a year in. So it's hard work. It's not like a, people like talk about VAs as if they're a magic solution. They're not. Sometimes it can be more work to have someone helping you than to just do it yourself. We all know that. So particularly your setup where you have got somebody three hours a day. So my VA setup is like a project management setup where I have a lady in the Philippines, she fields work out to various experts and they might be graphic designers or automation people or whatever. And they're just odd jobs here. They're jobs every single day, but they're odd jobs. Whereas you have someone that you have a relationship with that's helping you with your business across many different facets of your business. Yeah. So that uh, commitment to her and the setup in that is wildly different, right? Yeah. It's great that you've got to that point. And also that you wanted to go into a relationship again. So well done. <laughs> and it also, but that, that having someone that regular you know we started off at one hour a day then two hours a day now it's three um I wish it could be more but she has other clients the selfish woman um but it means she's there sorry about the dog by the way this is reality I hate the dog 
I love dogs, but not this dog. It's not my dog. It's someone else's dog. Anyway, but she's there every day. So what we don't finish on day one, we finish on day two. She can send an email and reply to it within those three hours. You know, like little bits actually make it harder because you're constantly having to pick up what the VA didn't finish because yeah. you see what I mean? And Leanne's very good because I'm like, oh, you know, we should really reply to that. And she's like, if they can't wait 10 hours, they can't, you know, they can wait. They can wait till the next day. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, they can. So a lot of it as well, though, is letting go. I'm a complete control freak. I like to micromanage. Um, I have tried, poor Leanne, she's had periods where I'm like, tell me every single thing you've done today. And then periods where I'm like, I don't want to know what you're doing, just do it. And I change my mind all the time. So she's very long suffering. And I think, you know, it's that balance of personalities is really important. I'm very blah, blah, blah. And she's very calm. So it works really well. I love it. And for anyone listening who just got her name, do not go and headhunter. No, she's mine. No, you can. She can. She's got a little team now. So she's doing amazingly oh, well. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. Now, it would be very remiss of me if we didn't talk about some SEO and copywriting when uh, you're here, right? Just a little snippet. No, I'm joking. What I want to know is what are the top three mistakes that you see small business owners just like me make from an SEO or copywriting perspective that really make you cringe and you're on a mission to stamp out? Okay, let's start with copywriting. So the first one I think I I like to call the wee-wee test. Um, I've talked about we already, but I can't stop talking about it. It's when you look at your homepage and it's all me, me, me. I am a this and I am a that and we do this and we do that. And that's great because, you know, you want to explain who you are and what you do, but it's not really about you. Your entire copywriting strategy should be about trying to understand your customers and talking to them in their language and presenting them with the problems that they have so that you can then present yourself as a solution. And a great little tip that I recommend to everybody is to use the PAS formula when you're writing P-A-S, problem, agitate, solution. So, you know, instead of having a homepage that says, I am a business coach with excellent skills and I can help you do blah, blah, blah. Instead, you present the problem to them. You know, you have a business, it's not working, you're spending hours doing it, but you're not getting the traffic. And then you agitate that problem. This means that you're probably not enjoying your business and you're thinking about giving up. And did you know that one out of blah, blah, blah businesses fails? So problem, agitation, and then you bring in the solution. Well, I can help you with that because of A, B, C. So I think the wee-wee test is really important uh, from a copywriting point of view. Um, From an SEO point of view, I think it's just that people put SEO in a little box and put it in a too hard box and then they put it under the desk and they don't think about it. Um, Maybe they pay an expert to build them an SEO friendly website, but they wouldn't know what an SEO friendly website was if it bit them on the bottom. So I think it's just, you know, a little bit of education with SEO goes a long way. Being able to just understand the real basics it's like, I use the garage analogy all the time, but if you take your car into a garage and you know nothing about motor mechanics, like not even the most basics, well, then they can tell you that anything's wrong with your car and you're going to have to believe them and you're going to have to pay them because you don't know any different. Whereas if you know the basics, just even where the engine is, you know, <laughs> it just is a pot, has potential to save you a lot of trouble and a lot of head, headaches. So the biggest problem I see is for people who have paid for so-called SEO-friendly websites and the site isn't SEO-friendly at all. And then they spend hours and weeks and months adding content and writing blog posts only to find a year later that nothing's happened. They have no new customers because something in the way that the site was built has been blocking it from working from day one, you know? So, yeah, 
That I'm sure there are a lot of alarm bells going off for people mm. this right now. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's the biggies. That's what you're on a mission to stamp out those. Yeah. I love the wee wee test. <laughs> I'm totally going to use that. But I think it's great because uh, I, I think too often I have lots of conversations with clients about this. They're focused on the solution. They're focused on what they're going to do for the customer. And they're not thinking about the problems, the fears, the frustrations, the issues that they have and addressing those at all. So from, from every perspective in your business, think about the wee wee test. <laughs> stuck in your head now thank you Kate okay I want to talk about CopyCon which I think is just so exciting um you know you it looked like you put on a fabulous event this year and am I right in thinking that was the second yes that's right yeah and I just saw that you secured a mel a fabulous Melbourne venue for next year is it going to be for next year yeah, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you um, in Melbourne Arts Centre. So uh, very, very cool, very ridiculous venue. It's kind of like Liberace's bedroom inside. It's all red velvet and whatever. But such kudos, you know, like I could have had it in a boring old corporate hotel. But I'm yeah. like, no, you know, these are creative people. Let's spend a bit more money and make it a bit more special. Because I never had a proper wedding. So every year it's like I get to plan my wedding. It's fantastic. <laughs> I had no idea you were going to get onto your wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, I've been to conferences and they're fine and the content is good and the speakers are good. But there's no sort of sense of occasion. And I don't know if, like, yeah, I don't get out much, Faye, to be honest, you know. And so if I go to something like that, I want it to be amazing. And I remember going to ProBlogger a couple of years ago in, on the Gold Coast. And boy, did they put on a good event. You know, I mean, I think they had like monkeys jumping through hoops and towers of macaroons. And I mean, they didn't, but it was a schmick event and it felt exciting. And the content was great, but I felt like I was at something. And that's what I want to do with CopyCon. It's not about the silly fripperies. The silly fripperies make it fun, but it's just giving it a bit of a sense of occasion and a real sense of community and support and building up that anticipation and building up the connection between people, between people before they get there. So when they get there, there's none of this like, oh my God, I don't know anybody. They like feel like they're coming to a family reunion. Do you know what I mean? Like a good family reunion, not the bad ones there. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, you know, so I just want it to be fun. You know, like business shouldn't be boring. I don't know why everyone has to be, take it all so seriously all the time, to be honest. I reckon you, all the photos look like people had an amazing time um, and that it wasn't this dry kind of lecture. It was about an occasion and an event. Yeah. I read somewhere you'd put that you commented that it wasn't a money spinner for you. Um, and I know, and I suppose, you know, I've talked before about how these podcasts and lots of things I do are self-serving because um, when I looked at that event, all I could think was, one, it looks amazing and everyone's having a great time and I wish I was there. And then two, the effort that would have been involved in arranging that. And I run events, nothing to that scale, probably because I'm a little bit scared of it because I feel like every event is time-consuming, a lot of effort. I think it can be can feel hard to get tickets sold. And I'm coming at this from the perspective of all of our listeners and clients who also run events or should be running events for their business or would like to. So what was the driving force behind you putting on the second CopyCon? Um, and why do you keep coming back for more? <laughs> Great question. Well, look, yeah, the first year uh, didn't break even. 
Um, but it didn't lose a huge amount of money. And, you know, the idea for, for the conference came because I have a community now of about 150 copywriters who are, mem- who are members of a community who pay a subscription. So really, it was a way to bring all of those people together. And there was a degree of confidence in me that X amount of them would buy a ticket. Yeah. So I set up the event on, on, a, on a budget that if I sold X amount of tickets, it would be enough to cover the event. Yeah. And I got a few sponsors, but not big sponsors. So it was a break even event, but it made all my members really happy. They all enjoyed it. And of course, and they're going to keep on being members. So there's not that, you know, not to be cynical, but there is financial gain in that. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it was a, a loyalty building exercise and a community building exercise. The next year, um, same again. I wanted, I just, you know, I wanted to do it again. It's fun. You know, a lot of what I do is spreadsheets and automation and backend systems and profit and loss. That's boring. But this is my party. Once a year, I get to have a big party. Um, I'm not stupid about it. Like I did lots of extra bits and bobs, but I don't spend oodles. I'm not extravagant. Do you know what I mean? I make clear decisions. This year we did get an amazing sponsor. We had Zero as a sponsor, um, which was great. Um, and that made it, it made it vaguely pro- like vaguely profitable. Like, but I'm not talking about I didn't pay myself, you know. Um, but then other things come from it. You know, I get invited on things like your podcast, you know, and uh, I get to speak at other events, and then I get to promote my courses, and it all just works out. But yes, I would say to anybody who is running a business, events are a luxury. Um, they are not a necessity. I ran my business for eight years and never ran an event. Um, I now run smaller events that are low ticket prices. Um, but events are a luxury. They take two or three, even small ones. It's two or three days out of your week. They mess with your adrenals and your physicality. You're tired. Uh, They don't make a lot of money, but of course they are amazing for building connections with people. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because also again on speaking, like I speak at a lot of events and transparency, you don't get paid people uh, unless you're speaking for a corporate client, you know, you're going in to speak at Commonwealth bank, they'll pay you, but conferences, networking events, you don't get paid. So it is a luxury to go and speak at a conference. You know, your business has to be doing relatively well for you to be able to afford the luxury of it's. It's odd. It's difficult. Does that make sense? I'm babbling a bit. No, no, you're not. And, it, you know, it really speaks to, I suppose, the challenges that I have because I'd love to run more events and bigger events. Um, but I love that you've just kind of taken the pressure off and said, you don't have to do it. It's a luxury. Mm. I also completely agree that the ones that I have run from a community building point of view are so valuable. So I, I haven't run an event yet where I've gone, wow, I just paid myself for that. And that was really profitable. They've like, it's just broken even. Um, but the engagement with my clients has been phenomenal or there have been new people that have come on board and then bought something from me enrolled in. Exactly. It's like the podcast, isn't it? You don't, so lots of things don't have measurable return on investment, ROI. The podcast, blogging, Facebook living, communities on Facebook, pretty much everything I do content marketing wise doesn't have a measurable ROI. When did they join my funnel? What was the trigger? Was it this or this? It's very hard to tell. And I could track the bottom of it, but I still probably, when I say to people, how did you find me? They're like, what well, kind of, I just kept on hearing your name again and again, and I'm not sure what was the final thing. So if you're after measurable ROI, don't do events. But the other thing with events is you have to have something to sell. Mm. Like, I know that sounds silly, and I don't think it can be a service. 
Yeah. So for me, the reason why the events work well is I've got mini courses that I can sell off the back of it. Speaking events, I've got mini things. I mean, even I've got a book to take. So now I take my books to events. Yes, I didn't get paid to speak for that event, but I sell 20 books at $20 a head. So that's $400. So that covers my, you know what I mean? Have something to sell, even if it's just a small thing. And then you get a little, at least you feel you're covering your bottom and then obviously it's a funnel into your big thing. But it's tricky. It's, it's a tricky thing to measure. Completely agree. And I also think with that, for people that maybe haven't got anything to sell but want to speak, at least have some kind of opt-in. Yes. Talking to your audience. Otherwise, I've seen countless speakers go away with literally nothing. No payment, no, nothing to sell, and no email addresses that they can market to later. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, people want to connect with you. People yeah. want to, especially if they've just seen you talk, they feel the connection. Give them a way in. Give them some. Give them a next step, whether it to be a join, it could be join a group, maybe not your mailing list that's getting a bit old hat but give them something where they can keep that connection going and and grow to love you more and more and more exactly Mm. now I can't let you go without talking about your book um how did you find writing it was it something that you loved I hear you know so many people are jumping on the bandwagon of writing a book but I read a post from Tim Ferriss a while back it was an awesome post and obviously he's a great author um talking about how committed you've got to be to writing a book, the fact that it might not make you any money, you've got to think bigger picture. It kind of put me off completely, actually. Uh, but your book looks a lot of fun. So how did you find the experience of doing it and are you going to write another one? Yeah, well, I deliberately chose not to write a book about either of my subject matter expertises. It's not a copywriting book or an SEO book because there are millions of them. And to be honest, that didn't excite me, the thought of doing that. And also, I often think, you know, if I were to write an SEO book, it would kind of take away from my SEO course. Why would you do a one and a half grand book course if you could buy a $20 book? Uh, It's a different experience, obviously. But so I chose to write something that I wanted to read it was very difficult. It was very challenging getting it done. You know, there's not enough hours in the day. You have to really commit to it. I had a motivator, a lady called Kelly Exeter, who offers book coaching. She cracked the whip. She actually said she would donate money to Donald Trump's election campaign if they didn't finish certain chapters, which was a really good motivator. You know, I accepted imperfection. Like, it's, it wasn't perfect when I got it all together. I accepted I had patience you know you send it off to an editor and it takes them months and then you have to get it typeset and it's a long process and I'm somebody who likes to make something put it out there so I found that very frustrating in terms of money I self-published uh you actually make more money if you self-published I think because uh you, you know you only get a dollar a book a book if you go through an eight uh publishing house but obviously I get the full whack um, yeah. I pre-sold I have definitely covered my costs I have made a profit from it not a big profit um and I love having written a book. It's actually my third book. I've written a kid's book and a poetry book, as you do. I forgot the kid's book. I didn't know about the poetry book, but I forgot the kid's book. Yeah. So it's, you know, honestly, you know, when I think of my 10-year, 20-year plan, I hope at 50 plus to be writing novels. That's what I want to do. So these business books are helping me learn the discipline of putting together a book and sitting and rewriting and rewriting that's the end goal um and again people like why did you write it what did you want to get out of it what was your end goal what was did you want to do awareness or whatever and I'm like I just wanted to write a book you know and I didn't care if it did well I didn't care if I sold millions you know sometimes you've just got to do what you want to do it's your business and 
not everything has to be a brilliant, blazing success. Some things can just be okay, and that's okay. You enjoyed it and you loved it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The book is called Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur. How can listeners go and grab a copy? Uh, Well, if you Google uh, Kate Toon, um, uh, luckily my website comes up number one, and you'll find it on that website. So, yeah. We'll put the links in the show notes as well. Definitely listeners should go check it out. It's very silly. It's not a serious book. It's a... It's a, it's got lots of good advice in it, but it's meant to be funny. And uh, people say it is, so I hope it is. Maybe they're lying. I don't know. <laughs> I, I reckon knowing what I do of you now, I reckon it's very entertaining and I'm looking forward to whatever you write next because it will be a lot of fun. Okay. I want to know what you do to stay motivated so that you, you, know, you keep, seem to keep constantly making progress in your business. How do you stay motivated? Um, it's funny. Someone gave me this book a while ago, the, the KPI book, uh, which all of us get given. I don't know, whatever event, it's KPI. I have no no disrespect to KPI. Vaguely feels like a cult. So I've I've never read it. It's just been on my bookshelf. But the other day I picked it up and actually one thing in it, I, I read a few lines and one thing stood out in it. Uh, and obviously KPI is a hugely successful thing. So obviously it works for hundreds of people. Um, but I don't want to be a part of anything that wants me to be a part of it. Do you remember that Groucho Marx quote? Yeah. I mean, if anyone accepts me, I'm like, why are you accepting me? But the line was about being a functional person or being a vital person. Um, and, you know, going through the motions versus having enthusiasm. And so I do have a lot of ideas, shiny object syndrome. And everyone says, ignore those shiny objects, follow your business plan, stick to it, keep, keep going, reiterate, re-experiment. But you know what? Sometimes the side paths are the best bits. You know, that stupid thing you did that just gives you pleasure. Like for a long time, Faye, I was really excited about making SEO tea towels. <laughs> I think I've still got one somewhere. But like tea towels with SEO lessons on them. So excited. I explored it. I found out the print costs. I got a sample one made. Then I realized it was stupid. But for the hours I did it, I really enjoyed that. And it made coming back to the boring day-to-day stuff easy, you know? Um, So I stay motivated because I do genuinely enjoy what I do. And even when I don't enjoy what I do, I do that thing. You know where you smile and it makes you feel happy? Uh, (laughs) And look, some days I'm not motivated and I go through the motions and I just reconcile zero for a couple of hours and just put some music on and eat biscuits you know so not every day is a happy exciting day but overall more days are good than bad and I if I if I don't do this I'm going to have to go back and get a proper job and that would be awful that keeps me going more often than not for sure countless times I've gone what would you be doing instead, Faye? Nah, get back to it. Exactly. And tea and biscuits are absolutely coping with a great motivator. Can totally understand given the, you know, with palms, we love our tea, where the tea towels fitted in as well. Yeah, I bet you want one now. I could see your eyes light up when I said that. One final, final, final thing that really motivates me, and this is going to sound so cheesy, listeners, <laughs> but I love talking to people like you, like, and people who I meet online, and a little chat like this gives you a little boost for your whole day. It's fun. You've met a like-minded person. You don't have to necessarily go out and network. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but connecting with people online, I know the online world can be a scary, troll-filled, hideous place, but most people are pretty awesome, and that's what keeps me going. Having a giggle in one of my groups or seeing a funny meme or having a chat with someone like you, that makes you feel like keeping on going as well. 
Oh, and you do that so well with your group, um, uh, Misfit Entrepreneurs. Misfit Entrepreneurs with Kate too, Facebook group. Go check it out, listeners, if you haven't already. It's ridiculous. Entertaining. I have no idea what the point of that group is. It's (laughs) ridiculous, but I just let it go. People enjoy it. The comments, the memes, the stuff that gets posted is like, you know, just this light moment in your day, and particularly if it's got heavy, it's a great place to go. So Misfit Entrepreneurs with Kate Toon, Facebook group, go check it out. Thank Love you. It. Thank you very much. Now, let's talk freebies, downloads, good stuff that people can go and grab from you. You have got a free SEO course called SEO Nibbles, right? Yeah, so I've got uh, there's a, I've got heaps of freebies. I've got a little course called SEO Nibbles. It's a proper course. It's not one of those ones that's like one email in a worksheet. It's videos. It really helps you get your head around what SEO is and and will help you decide whether you want to take the next step. Um, and I, you know, I've got a, I've got a really cool little phone script for ringing up clients on a, one of my other websites. I've got checklists. You name it, man. I've got a lot of stuff. But I'll, I'll show you the links. But yeah, if you're if you're thinking about even vaguely about SEO and you think it's really boring, I guarantee that the SEO Nibbles course will make you enjoy it. Partially because I decided to call it SEO Nibbles and I realized by about the second hour of recording videos that I'd stopped saying SEO Nibbles and was now saying SEO Nipples. <laughs> but it was too late to go and edit it out, so I just had to acknowledge it in the video and just... Went back to the boob. <laughs> back to the boob! The full circle. Beautiful. Everybody should go and get SEO nipples now just for, to hear that. Yes, exactly. Um, I've got to say, though, I did one of your webinars way back when, and um, you are far from boring. So go and you know how some free stuff really just shouldn't be out there. I think you put a post up recently. I don't want your free bloody downloads. <laughs> this that the other but Kate's free stuff is actually really good so I will put all of the links in the show notes if you want to get to the show notes all you need to do is go to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 17 and everything to do with Kate and her SEO nipples will be there so really easy for you to get all of the goodness there um now You'll have all of the contact details in the show notes, but if you want to jump over and get some Kate Toon goodness right now, best place to find you, Kate, I've got Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Kate Toon, Instagram Kate Toon, but any other links that you really want to... No, I think if you just Google Kate Toon, because it's a stupid name, you're going to find... There's not many other... There's only another Kate Toon who's a dentist in Ipswich. (laughs) As long as you avoid her, the rest is probably me. So (laughs) Good. We're not looking for any dentists here. You know what? This has been highly entertaining. I'm just gutted that we have to kind of wrap up because you are someone I could have sat and spoken to with a glass of wine or a biscuit. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll have to make, we'll have to make that happen one day, Faye. Would love to. Um, one thing I did want to ask, is CopyCon just for copywriters or is it for small business owners too? Well, no, as you happen to mention it. I mean, look, it's, it's content marketing. We get marketers, we get agency people, we get web, WordPress developers, uh, social media managers, and just general business people. You know, it's, it, it, you know we talk about pricing and, and, and we talk about copy skills, but we talk about running a business, the highs and lows. And it's a fun event. I think, I think most business owners would get something out of it. Yeah, and I mean, I know I'm going to say that because I want to sell tickets, but... Yeah. 
uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to connect. And as well, gosh, if you go walk into a room with 150 potential people who could write your copy, you're going to find somebody that you connect with yeah. and that could be good for your business. So, yeah. Well, I think also I asked that because I looked and thought, oh, that looks interesting for me. And then thought it looks interesting for a lot of our listeners and my clients. Um, but also, you know, copywriting is a problem for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah business owners so if you could just pick up a handful of snippets maybe you're going to get bucket loads more than that then that would be a good place to be and like going back to the wee wee test right learning about stuff like that that helps you in every day even if it's your social media marketing so awesome thank you i really can't thank you enough for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure very entertaining i've got loads of notes there's loads of things i want to go and check out so thank you for sharing with us today and keeping it real raw and honest i really appreciate it um if you have listeners enjoyed this episode please go and leave us a lovely review on itunes and if you'd like to hang out some more all of kate's details are over on the podcast 17 the show notes but i would love you to come and hang over hang over (laughs) (laughs) hang out with me on facebook and instagram i'm at busy business women and you can find lots of biz building goodness over on my website busybusinesswomen.biz so kate before i let you go anything else you want to add today before i let you get on your merry way and enjoy your day no, God, I think we've squeezed the juice out of it, Faye. I don't no, know. I mean, no, we, we made the most of the time that we had, I do believe. We do. I'm going to go and get myself a biscuit and a cup of tea and recover. It's been brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Kate for joining us. I'll be back very soon with some more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until then, I'm Faye Hollands. You've been listening to Kate Toon, and this has been the Busy Business Women podcast. Have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.